go next. From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council and your Friday host. An honor to be with you this evening, and we are extremely grateful to have you on board with us. I think we've got a tremendous program lined up for you tonight. Let me give you some of the highlights that we'll be discussing First of all, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is traveling to China this weekend. This is completing the visit that you may recall was originally scheduled to take place in February, but that visit was canceled because of the Chinese spy balloon fiasco. We look forward to having a series of meetings with senior officials in Beijing, building on the engagements that we've had uh, with the PRC since President Biden and President Xi met in Bali late last year. Well, that was Secretary Blinken, of course, earlier today. Uh, The question is, how will the increasingly aggressive Chinese Communist Party receive him? It's going to be very interesting to uh, to watch. We'll be talking with Congressman Tim Burchett in just a few moments about that. And then questions continue to build and swell around the president and his family's alleged pay-to-play bribery scheme. Frankly, though, if you're waiting for the legacy media to get to the bottom of things, I would urge you, don't hold your breath. They know there's something wrong here. They know all the allegations have merit because of where Joe Biden was, because of what we've seen on tape before where Joe Biden bragged about firing that prosecutor. They know that this family created these shell companies. They know this family was was money laundering. They were profiting off Joe Biden's influence. The media knows that, but they're just not covering it. That was Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer And friends, I tell you, you won't believe some of the recent developments coming up in that issue. Congressman Andy Biggs, who is a member of that committee, will be joining me with the latest. And the Washington Watch audience, of course, you know just how corrupt the Southern Poverty Law Center is and how they try to push lies when it comes to conservative organizations and Christian organizations. And they refer to us all as hate groups. Well, now, finally, Congress is taking note of it. Daily Signal's Tyler O'Neill, who literally wrote the book on the SPLC, will tell us all about the latest developments with the SPLC. We will also be discussing a great advancement, potentially, for the Second Amendment with Congressman Andrew Clyde. And then we'll wrap up the program today celebrating Father's Day. And I, I would like to just go ahead in advance and wish each of you fathers a tremendous Father's Day. Thank you for all that you do for your families and your communities and beyond. And despite all the multiple efforts that are taking place in our culture to destroy the family, we've got some good encouraging polling information that shows that a striking majority of Americans recognize that the absolute best environment for children is a home with both mother and father present and involved. We'll talk about all of this as we head into the weekend. So we've got a tremendous program lined up for you today. And just a reminder, you can catch all of it at our website, TonyPerkins.com. And if by any chance you miss any portion or you'd like to check out some archives of previous programs, you likewise can find it there at our website, TonyPerkins.com. Okay, let's jump into our first topic for the evening. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is going to visit China this weekend for the first time in this administration. And what is he going to do there? The trip has three objectives. First, to establish open and empowered communications. Second, to advance U.S. interests and values and those we share with allies and partners around the world. And third, to explore the potential for cooperation on transnational challenges. Well, that was Secretary Blinken just a few hours ago. Uh, But there are many people who really believe that this trip presents the Chinese Communist Party a tremendous opportunity for a confrontational stance face-to-face with one of our top diplomats. So we'll see what's going to happen. We certainly have been watching the CCP strike an increasingly 
assertive uh, foreign policy stance around the world, uh, even as the Biden administration weakens our ties to some of those same foreign nations. Uh, and unfortunately, many of them are beginning to slip into Chinese orbit, if we can put it that way. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Tim Burchett. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, as well as the Committee on Foreign Affairs. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of the great state of Tennessee. Congressman Burchett, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Great seeing you, and I also look forward to seeing Andy Biggs and and um, and brother and and brother Clyde as well. Um, they're both patriots, and I and they're I love serving with them. Well, I, I, likewise, it's an honor to have all three of you on the program tonight. And uh, in advance, Happy Father's Day to you. Let's begin, if we can, with uh, your general thoughts on Secretary Blinken's uh, trip to China. Well, the second point you made, values. I wonder what values they're going to share with the communist Chinese that we're uh, promoting a woke agenda all over at our State Department, apparently in our and and uh, other factions of our of our government are promoting uh, drag shows and other things. And what we're putting forth in this country is is just disgusting to me, and I'm sure it is to the majority of your viewers. Um, you know, we've we've kowtowed to the communist Chinese under this administration, as you well know, for the last two years, we allowed a, a balloon of 1800s technology basically to fly over our, our great country uh, coast to coast and take pictures and take up every available secret that they could possibly steal that they haven't already stolen. We've got a administration that's taken millions of dollars, uh, our president and his family and their cohorts, millions of dollars they set up over 20 LLCs and bank accounts combined to to launder that money. And um, as you call it, the legacy media prefers not to cover that. So that really tells me we're going to go there. And it sort of reminds me of um, in, in history of when Chamberlain in England, he held up that piece of paper after he met with Hitler. And he said, we're going to, you know, I, 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 see, uh, I believe we'll have peace in our time. And, uh, you know, we are, they know China, China no longer fears us under Joe Biden as they once did under the Trump administration. And they're going to continue to run us over. I don't know what we have to gain from going over there other than to suck up, which is what it appears that we're going to be doing. Yeah. And that's the concern, Congressman, that so many people have with this, that China is flexing their muscles literally all around the world while we sit back and have debates uh, over pronoun usage and drag shows in our military. And this appears to be a potential disaster for the United States and allowing uh, the CCP literally to potentially walk over uh, Secretary Blinken. Are, are you concerned about that? Oh, 100%. I mean, what message have we sent to them? We they have a secret police station in New York we talked about. I mean, literally... I know you you've discussed it and I've discussed it. It's over a year. And then they finally decided to do something about that. We've allowed them to buy farmland. Um, oddly enough, that's strategically close to a lot of our military installations. They don't fear us. They don't respect us. Um, you know, this administration just so weakness and poor leadership towards China from day one. They, you know, everything they met with. Chinese officials on the anniversary of Tiananmen Square massacre. I mean, what kind of message does that send? It just, it just doesn't. And, um, we've allowed them free access to everything in our country. They've, they've infiltrated our universities, um, our higher learning institutions, our, our research institutions just across the board. And we, um, continue to let them do that. It's to me, it's a, it's very depressing. Well, you know, and, and the posture of the Chinese officials leading up to this trip, quite frankly, was not one that you would call a welcoming engagement. Uh, you know, I mean, again, they're even flexing their muscles as this trip is about to take place. Uh, what do you think we can take from that? They do seem to be posturing Blinken before he ever gets there. I agree. I mean, it, it's clear they're going to make a move on Taiwan. But, you know, the messages we send to them when we regularly reduce our sanctions on solar products that are made in China because Biden needs them for his Green New Deal agenda. You know, why in the heck are we not developing this stuff in this country? Why have we let the environmental 
so-called environmental community put rules and regulations on mines that we could get these so-called rare earth minerals, which we find aren't as rare as we once thought. They're rare because we're not allowed to mine them in this country. We have allowed, in some cases, over 20 years of uh, of delays on on mining operations. Yet we allow them to to, to do it in Central America with slave labor. We allow them to to uh, mistreat the Uyghur population, basically put them in concentration camps. They have organ harvesting, just the most horrendous things. Yet we're over there, and I guarantee you, Jody, we'll be over there in some shape, form, or fashion begging them for forgiveness. And it's all about the dollar. And they're not going to, you know, they're not going to give it to, they're not going to take it from us. We're going to give it to them. We are going to give them this country, and it's because of the leadership we have in the White House. Well, it certainly is a, a bleak picture to consider. You also serve on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and uh, you had in, in that committee a hearing uh, this past week on China's Belt and Run Initiative, uh, Belt and Road Initiative, excuse me. Uh, did you get anything out of that? What were some of the takeaways you uh, personally got from that hearing? With that we've completely capitulated in many of these countries over in Central America. I mean, these are countries that are, close to bordering on us. And through the Belt and Road Initiative, it's a real simple operation. They go into these countries that are probably not as educated and um, agree to build something of importance to them, a dam or a hydroelectric plant, something like that, a waste-to-energy facility, say, we're going to do it at this point. And then they come back and say, well, it's going to cost a lot more. They bankrupt the country because they're uneducated, and their leaders are probably slightly crooked, or crooked as a dogleg, as we say here in East Tennessee. And then they come in and say, well, we'll just run the whole show for you, dadgummit. And then they do, and they bring in their people, and then they control it. And then they control the market on that rare earth mineral or whatever they get in that area. And then they sell it to us at a huge markup, and we're further enslaved to them. Instead of our State Department doing its job, instead of spending millions upon millions of things like drag shows, which they do, and, and exporting everything that we shouldn't be exporting, they should be exporting democracy and free enterprise. And then we get into this bind. And now we're behind the eight ball. And now Secretary of State Blinken is over in China. I guarantee you begging for, for backroom deals. You've got a president that's been co-opted and corrupted by the millions of Chinese dollars. And you have a Justice Department that will not investigate. You have a media that will not, will not uh, talk about this at all. And so, you know, it, we are in a bind. And I go back to the, my, my original premise. 20 million so-called evangelical Christians decided to stay home on Election Day. And that's what's causing this from top to bottom. We've got to get, we've got to get educated. We've got to get motivated. And we've got to get mad. Because Jesus didn't ask them to leave the temple. He threw them out. Great point. Well, you know, I, I, unfortunately, our time has expired, Congressman. But uh, FRC usually, uh, recently had a report that highlighted, of course, which you well know, this administration's obsession with LGBT agenda within our military and our foreign policy. And, you know, it's it's fearful to me that that type of policy, frankly, could be driving many countries toward China and further away from the United States. It's frightful. Congressman uh, Tim Burchett, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Always great to see you and happy Father's Day. Thank you, Jody, and thank you for being a patriot, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, friends, coming up, Congressman Andy Biggs will be joining me to discuss the latest on the investigation into the Biden family. Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, an honor to have you on board with us. All right, as questions continue to build surrounding President Biden and his family's alleged influence peddling, investigators from the House Oversight Committee are in talks with Devin Archer, a top Biden family business associate, uh, and they're talking about specifically some deals involving the president and his family And the Oversight Committee is trying to find information from Archer regarding more than $3 million in payments from a Russian billionaire to a company that's linked to both Archer and the Biden family. Well, joining me now to discuss this and much more is U.S. Representative Andy Biggs. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee. He represents Arizona's 5th District. He's former chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and a dear friend, Congressman Biggs. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Jody. It's great to be miss you, uh, be with you, and I want you to know we sure miss you in Washington, D.C., that's for sure. Well, thank you so much. It's great to see you. You're looking great. Uh, listen, let's, <laughs> let's uh, if we can, Andy, let's just jump into this. The, uh, the left is uh, generally speaking, I'm sure, but the, the legacy media uh, probably is not going to like this, but the reality is this whole issue of the Biden family, uh, the the allegations regarding potential bribery, influence peddling, this entire investigation is not going away, is it? What's the latest? Yeah, it's not going away anytime soon, Jody. And, and uh, the way to think of it is You've got multiple states, multiple actors from different nations that are providing this uh, funding to Joe Biden. And the one that's up front burning now is the Ukraine uh, oligarch uh, that Chuck Grassley, Senator Chuck Grassley, revealed this week is uh, was the guy who started Burisma. They, the way this money was flowing, Jody, $5 million went to Hunter Biden accounts, $5 million went to the big guy or Joe Biden. And it was laundered through multiple uh, corporations, shell corporations, multiple bank accounts. And uh, the, the bottom line is it seems to go right in. And, and you you know about this, but, but Joe Biden bragged that he was going to, uh, that he managed to get uh, uh, Viktor Shokin, who was the Ukrainian prosecutor general, off the back of Burisma. Oddly enough, at the very same time, he was vice president, and his son was sitting on the board of directors of Burisma. So it looks like a quid pro quo. Certainly the oligarch from Ukraine believed it was a quid pro quo, and that's where we sit right now. 
Yeah, and uh, and Grassley always Senator Grassley also talked about potential audio recordings of that conversation uh, with President Biden and Hunter. Uh, of course, some Democrats are saying there are no audio recordings. What, what do you know in that regard? So in the FBI report, which they, by the way, they told us uh, two and a half weeks ago that it did not exist. And then they said it existed and they refused to give it to us. And they still haven't given it to us, but we've had access. I've seen it. I've read it. Uh, in that report, uh, the uh, Ukraine, Ukrainian oligarch said that to protect himself, he had numerous things. So, so he had uh, audio recordings uh, of conversations with of him with Hunter and with the with Joe Biden. But he also has things like emails uh, that that he has that we're, we're trying to get hold of. Uh, Grassley has confirmed that there are 17 audio recordings between 15 between uh, Hunter and, and other associates and the oligarch, and two between Joe Biden himself and uh, the the Ukrainian oligarch. That, that's just uh, insane. I mean, look, I, we all know it, but what would having President Biden on tape mean for this investigation? Well, he would be done. I mean, uh, the, the, the reality is the allegations are bribery, corruption, uh, selling the United States, uh, wire fraud, uh, bank bank fraud, uh, you know, uh, just generic fraud with the corporation. So there's a whole truckload of criminal uh, uh, issues at stake. But if you had that, and then, also, Jody, if you just threw one other thing there, if you had any kind of uh, in, indicia that, that Joe Biden received any payment for this, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the oligarch said he made sure that he didn't give him anything directly because he didn't want to be tied to him because, quite frankly, he didn't want to be caught up in a criminal investigation himself, but now he is. But the bottom line is, uh, if you have Joe Biden on there talking about a quid pro quo, which we don't know because we haven't heard these video, these audios, uh, recordings, that that would just about finish off the capacity for Joe Biden to continue because that's substance, that's real, uh, that's not a threat, that's not a perfect phone call. What that is is just flat-out simple political corruption. Absolutely. Well, listen, I wish we could talk some more about this. I've got an article I printed out uh, where uh, Chairman Comer is saying that they believe they now have evidence where the Bidens received 20 to 30 million dollars in illegal payments. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But if I can, uh, Congressman, let me switch gears. Uh, the House Homeland Security uh, Committee uh, re released a preliminary report on uh, Secretary Mayorkas and the uh, dereliction of duty, really, that uh, he is uh, guilty of right now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he's yeah he's been derelict in his duty. He's violated his constitutional oath of office. But moreover, Jody, I think that he has actually um, engineered a, not a securing of our border, but actually making our country less secure, less safe uh, from top to bottom because of what he has done. I think that's willful as well, and uh, that's because he he basically said he's more interested in humanitarian uh, purposes and mechanisms to get people into this country than he is with securing the border. That is, in my opinion, uh, the, the crux of the whole problem is they think everybody in the world should come here uh, regardless of our ability to incorporate them into our country. Well, it was an honor to serve with you on the Border Security Caucus and your leadership there and everyone on that caucus has just been remarkable. I, Conservatives out there, I can tell you, Congressman, they're, they're hoping that there will be some accountability uh, for the Biden administration uh, across the board, from the Bidens themselves and across the board. Thank you for your leadership so much, Andy Biggs, uh, and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. My pleasure, Jody. We miss you. You look great. Best to your wife, and happy Father's Day. And same to you, my friend. Take care. All right, folks, listen, coming up, we've got a new resolution in Congress that is addressing the lies coming out of the SBLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. You don't want to miss it. We'll discuss this and more right after the break. Stay tuned.
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host this evening. Glad to have you on board with us. All right, for each of you who are Washington Watch audience, and whether it's by viewing or uh, by listening, you are well aware of the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's, in essence, a hate-based scam organization that, by the way, they had one of their own staff attorneys arrested earlier this year on charges of domestic terrorism, the very thing that they accuse everyone else of. They have one of their own staff charged with domestic terrorism. Well, Congress is now beginning to take notice of the SPLC. The House Republicans filed a resolution this week defending parental rights groups such as Moms for Liberty after the SPLC labeled them an extremist organization and put them on the notorious hate map alongside KKK chapters and the like. Well, this is the same hate map that inspired another domestic terrorist, Floyd Corkins, to attempt a mass shooting right here at the Family Research Council's office in Washington, D.C. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Tyler O'Neill, He's the managing editor of the Daily Signal and author of the book, Making Hate Pay, the Corruption of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Tyler, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, Jody. Well, listen, you literally wrote the book on the SPLC, and uh, everyone listening, watching right now uh, knows that FRC is very familiar with what they are really all about. But by going after concerned parents like they have recently done, parents who just want to protect their kids, it's it's refreshing to see that Congress is at least beginning to take notice of that. Tell us about this resolution. Yeah, so this resolution is very important. Uh, we have House Republicans filing a resolution that explicitly states that it is not considered extremist or hateful to stand up for parents' rights in the classroom to say whether, you know, what their children should be able to learn and to prevent sexualized materials in school libraries. So this this is really key because of the SPLC adding them to the hate map last week. And we've seen across the left a lot of people demonizing moms and dads who go to their school board meetings, making their voices heard. 
And we've even seen the Obama administration going after them with the DOJ memo and the White House requesting the letter behind that memo back in 2021. And we've also seen collaboration between the Biden White House and the SPLC ahead of the release of the SPLC's new hate map and ahead of the Biden administration's LGBTQIA plus or something uh, strategy that they released last week. And that strategy talked about using the FBI to go after hate groups that pose a threat to the LGBT community. Wow. And those hate, hate groups are just uh, conservative organizations, Christian organizations, whatever, you, standing for what they believe. All right. So uh, explain to our audience what it would mean if this resolution passes. It does not carry the weight of law. But what does this resolution mean uh, as it moves forward? Yeah. So this resolution would state that it is the opinion and belief of Congress that these organizations are not extremists. So this, as you mentioned, this would not change the law. This would not, you know, force the SPLC to retract their smears. But what it would do was send a very clear message to America that the SPLC is lying here and that these parents and they're, you know, the organizations that support them, Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, that these are not hate groups, that these are not anti-government extremist groups, as the SPLC says, and they do not belong anywhere near the KKK on a list. Well, and you know, Tyler, also the uh, SPLC has pretty close ties to the Biden administration, as well as other federal agencies for that matter. I, I wonder if this resolution could somehow help the effort to perhaps sever some ties there with uh, the the administration or other agencies, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think what this would do, well, it's it's interesting because this would clearly send a message that Congress does not stand with these attacks. But the Biden administration obviously is not going to listen to the GOP majority House when it comes to deciding who is and is not a hate group. So, you know, unfortunately, I think the Biden administration will continue to do this. But what this resolution really does is it it draws a line in the sand. If Democrats vote against this, are they saying that these organizations are extremist and hateful? I mean, why would you vote against a resolution merely stating the fact that moms and dads speaking up at their school board meetings, making, you know, putting their foot down that they won't have sexualized instruction for kids, uh, making complaints that when their kids are forced to wear masks all day in the COVID pandemic, you know, far later, these parents claim than they should have been forced to. Uh, you know, these are moms and dads making their opinions heard through the normal process. And they do not deserve to be smeared as haters and extremists. Well, no federal uh, or law enforcement agency should be taking cues from the SPLC. I mean, that's just like, it makes no sense whatsoever. Exactly. And yet we see the FBI cite them going after radical traditional Catholics. We see the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, cite them when it comes to media literacy and online um, so I think and I think we're going to see more of these connections. I mean, a White House advisor on counterterrorism met with the SPLC recently, met with the very person who decided Tyler, we're to, put to leave it there. On hate. Yep. Tyler O'Neill of The Daily Signal. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, stay tuned. Much more Washington Watch coming your way right after this break. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. 
Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. And welcome back to Washington Watch. An honor to be with you this evening. I'm Jody Heiss, your host. Before we get to our next guest, let me remind you, next Wednesday, June 21st, I want to invite you to join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins along with other distinguished guests like Senator Lindsey Graham and others. They will be at Experience Church in Des Moines, Iowa, for a town hall meeting on life. So each of you in the Des Moines area, we invite you to come. For those of you who that's a little bit too far to travel, well, don't worry. You can still join us by clicking on prayvotestand.org slash hall. So check out more information. You can get it, again, at our website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, the Biden administration's continued effort to thwart the Second Amendment was rolled back some this past week when House Republicans passed a resolution to reverse his regulations on stabilizing braces for pistols. These accessories are often used. Uh, There are millions of them out there, uh, but they're used by disabled veterans even. Uh, but the previous rule uh, by the administration categorized any pistol brace as a short-barreled rifle that would require a federal license. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Andrew Clyde. He's the one who introduced the resolution. He serves on the powerful Appropriations Committee and represents Georgia's 9th Congressional District. Congressman Clyde, great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thank you, Jody. It's uh, great to be with you, my friend, as always. Well, listen, you introduced this uh, really important legislation. Why is it so significant, particularly in light of the fact of the reality this is not going to be passed by the president? But what makes this so important? Well, first, you know, this pistol brace ban rule that ATF came out with, uh, categorizing or, or redefining, actually, um, a pistol with a stabilizing brace as a short-barreled rifle, uh, subject to the draconian regulations of the uh, National Firearms Act of 1934, uh, that would have put millions of law-abiding citizens into the category of felons unless they registered their pistol brace firearm as a short-barreled rifle. And most folks refuse to do that because they don't want to be on ATF's list. And also, the ATF does not have the authority to do that. That would be creating new law. And as we know, uh, Congress makes laws, not the executive branch. So it's a violation of the separation of powers. 
But the biggest and, mo and most critical thing about passing this bill in the House to strike down ATF's rule, uh, stabilizing grace rule, is that it sends a phenomenally strong message to the nation and to the court system that this is not the will of Congress. And I'm uh, proud to, uh, to tell you on this show that um, I've spoken with Senator Kennedy in the Senate, and this is going to come up for a vote in the Senate on Wednesday. So once the Senate passes it on Wednesday, with the Senate and the House having passed this resolution, the courts have a very clear message to the will of Congress on this issue. And, uh, and the courts listen to Congress. You know, th that message is important. Well, uh, it, what most people don't know, not aware of, and I, if you can go here, I'd really like for you to, if you can, a little bit. But uh, no pun intended here. The uh, congressional baseball game took place this past week where you actually scored a run. Way to go. The Republicans won. But with this particular topic of the pistol braces and so forth, a little uh, inside baseball, if you will. It took some effort to get this bill uh, even to get to a vote. I mean, it was quite an ordeal battling to get this thing for a vote. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, it was. And indeed, uh, the Republicans did win the baseball game 16-6, uh, to 6, the third year in a row. Um, so a little inside baseball on the uh, pistol brace rule was that, um, you know, there are some very moderate Democrats that think that, uh, that voting for this may hurt them in their districts. But this, as you mentioned earlier, is about providing care for our service-disabled veterans so that they can uh, exercise their constitutional rights because the pistol brace was originally designed for service-disabled veterans back in 2012 when it was approved, fully approved by ATF um, and not restricted. But uh, so, so there was a bit of a battle with leadership and it came about during the debt ceiling fight where, um, where I was called and told that uh, this legislation may not come to the floor if I vote against the rule in the debt ceiling fight, um, you know, and I said, well, if that's the case, then take my name off the bill. Uh, the bill is that important. Uh, you know, if, if it's about me, don't make it about me. Um, make it about the country and about our, our, our uh, providing care for our, our veterans and for Americans with disabilities and those people that need to use a pistol brace. Um, and so we eventually worked through that. It came to the floor on uh, Tuesday of this week. And it passed uh, 219 to uh, 210, a great victory, a bipartisan victory, too. We had two, two Democrats vote with us, so a bipartisan victory for the House. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, listen, you, you mentioned this a while ago, uh, but uh, it is true, <clears throat> even if it were to pass the Senate, and that's, that will be an uphill battle, I'm sure, to some extent anyways, but even if it does, the president says he's going to veto, veto this, but despite all of that, this is still extremely significant, you mentioned, because the message this will send to the judiciary. So assuming with that, I would assume that what you're saying is this would probably face a legal challenge if it were to pass. Uh, oh, uh, well, um, there are multiple legal challenges right now in the court system over ATF's pistol brace rule. In fact, there are a number of preliminary injunctions as well. And so this having Congress pass this sends a message to those court systems uh, to make those preliminary injunctions, injunctions into permanent injunctions against this rule, because the rule is violating the, it, the powers, the separation of powers in Congress. ATF does not have the authority to redefine a definition and create new law, especially law with criminal penalties, penalties of, of, of federal felonies, you know, 10 years in jail, $250,000 fine. Um, that's simply uh, not within their authority. Well, Congressman Andrew Cloud, I want to thank you again for your incredible stance on this and your courage to vote against the rule and to stand for the principles that uh, people sent you there to stand for. And we're honored to have you this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jody. Always great to be with you. And likewise. All right, friends, I want to transition now, if we can, as we close out the program. As you well know, we're going to be celebrating Father's Day on Sunday, which offers us all an opportunity to honor men for their devotions to their family and others. And, uh, you know, while we are honoring fathers, the left would like you to believe that fathers are not necessary or that mothers are not necessary for that matter, that two moms are fine or two dads are fine. 
But a recent Rasmussen poll has found that 82% of voters believe that it is important for children to be raised in a home with both their mother and their father present. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Randy Wilson. He's the National Director of Men's Ministry here at the Family Research Council. Randy, always great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you again, Jody. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's our honor. Listen, I thank you in advance for your incredible leadership to uh, reaching out to men all across the country. And, you know, the, the left does not like when the truth is spoken. But I was very encouraged by the Rasmussen poll. They really spoke the yep. truth. The majority of Americans, a majority of voters by far, 82 percent, believe that it's incredibly important for children to have both parents in the home. Uh, take a moment and tell us the impact of fathers in the home. Well, it's so important. I believe the father is the single most influential uh, person to bring life and hope uh, for generations to come. You look at the Word of God and you see God the Father and how he is present uh, through time and with his people. And and that is one of the single most things, uh, more things that children need is the Father's presence. He doesn't have to be talking or directing all the time or um, just to be there uh, to listen to them. And that's the other thing is that the children are longing to be seen. They're longing to be heard and certainly affirmed. And fathers, we've got to speak those words of affirmation and, uh, and encouragement to them on a constant basis all the time. I believe that our words create worlds for others. And our children long to hear how they are doing, that they are accepted in their father's eyes. And when the father comes into the room, they want to see the father looking at them or moving to them uh, to acknowledge their presence. It has a powerful impact on them emotionally uh, as well as mentally being accepted because really that's the issue we're dealing with today is uh, the whole idea of being accepted. Well, your role here at the Family Research Council uh I put you on the tip of the spear, really, when it comes to ministering to men on a daily basis. What are you finding across the country regarding uh, the importance of fathers? You just addressed that uh, to some extent, but also just the, uh, the the reality of where are we as a nation as it relates to men taking the appropriate, proper, most effective role in the families a scale of 1 to 10, how would you describe our condition? Well, we're not in a good place at all, as you well know, and we see the stats come out on a daily basis with all the research there. So, Rasmussen, that that was really encouraging to hear that the people understand the place that is missing, that the father is to occupy. But what I see is the men and the fathers, they don't have role models out there to look at. And uh, so that's what they're wanting to hear, uh, how they are doing. So in our presentation to men across the country at these Stand Courageous conferences, we talk specifically about five biblical principles of masculinity. And the first one we deal with is that of a presence. Wow. And, you know, that's, that's you know, what, what we, we talk about to um, start with. Yeah, I mean, because fatherlessness uh, is a major problem, uh, and it's an issue that we must get to the root of this problem. How do we get to the root of the thing? I guess that's the name to try to work to do is to be at the home uh, when, whenever and as much as possible. I travel a lot, a lot during the time my children were, were growing up, but uh, when I was home, I was home. I was with them. I was listening to them. I was looking at them in the eyes. And uh, the men, they don't really have, or they haven't had anyone that would teach them what it really means to be a father and how to interact with their children and, and what, the, what the benefits are uh, in being there with them. They think, well, I'm not getting any feedback, so I must not be doing a good job. They don't want to hear from me and those sorts of things. But that is so far from the truth. The children are desperate for us, 
And Jody, you've probably heard this story before, but there was a, a diary one found of a father who wrote about this day and said, went fishing with my son. Yeah, it really wasn't worth my time. But then they found the corresponding journal of the son who entered in that day, went fishing with my father, the greatest day in my life. That's the power that we fathers have in the presence of our children. That's a remarkable. I, I do remember that story. Randy, what would you attribute this uh, fatherlessness to? I mean, we have a sexual revolution that's bombarded our country. We have uh, no-fault divorce type stuff. I mean, there's a whole host of things. Where did we fall off the wagon when it comes, in in your opinion, when it comes to uh, embracing mom and dad both uh, being in the family? Well, I think that fell uh, a while ago, and I think um, uh, how the narrative has been spoken on many different platforms across the country, the narrative is, as you mentioned in the opening, uh, the dad is really not needed. The mom can get it done. Um, the, the male they, has been pushed aside, and you see that in so many venues, and that's why I say there wasn't a model uh, for the dads to see their place and then stand in their place and be the father that he needs to be. Um, the, the encouragement hasn't uh, been there. You think about uh, Blankenhorn, who came out with his Fatherless America book back in 94, and uh, that launched several books, but it never really got picked up or understood uh, as far as the man understanding what his place is. But the results are the incredible chaos that has been continuing to go down and increase uh, since 1994 to where we are today. And then all the stats that you see on uh, how fathers are not at home, the government has not helped us uh, at all as they, they fund uh, families as long as the father is not in the picture. So, you know, that communicates to the dad, to the man, that uh, he is just not wanted. You know, Jody, one of the most powerful things we do at the Stand Courageous Conference is that of the Father's Blessing. As General brings that concept and talks to the men about it and then invites them uh, to the front to receive uh, a Father's Blessing, that is a whole new concept to, I think, the majority of men that come to these conferences. Uh, to have a, a, a father figure actually come and put his hands on their shoulders or wherever and look in their eyes and tell them how important, how in sick and um, how, how, how much, how important they are and uh, give them affirmation as to their place and their role. You see the, the tears flow down from their eyes because it is so powerful. Ten seconds. So we well, need listen, dads to stand you. in their place. Certainly anyone can be a father, most anyone, but not anyone can be a dad. That takes a man. It takes leadership. Brandy Wilson, thank you for le your leadership. Thank you for coming on Washington Watch for us this evening. Thank you, Jody. All right, friends, that's all for this evening. Have a great Father's Day. If your dad is still living, let him know you love him. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll be back next week right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.